Too often we let Christmas catch us by surprise. You know, it, we just, we rush through Christmas. We, we give in to the hustle and the bustle of our culture with, with shopping, with parties, with lots of good things that, that are great to enjoy during the season. But sometimes, oftentimes, we let the good things crowd out the most important thing in this season. And we believe that Jesus is the reason for the season, that Jesus is the reason for our existence to glorify and honor Him in all that we do. In Advent, Advent season, this Christmas season is an opportunity for us to refocus our hearts on Jesus, to recenter our lives upon Jesus. It's not an obligation and it's not commanded in Scripture for us to observe Christmas or Advent. But what better opportunity do we have as Christians to use something that's happening within our culture and within tradition for hundreds of years that the church has has reflected upon the coming of Jesus during this season. And I love that in secular places, Jesus' name is being sung through beautiful songs. People are hearing the, the glorious good news of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. They're hearing about Him, and many get annoyed by it. They're like, gosh, I've heard enough Christmas music. I've heard enough of this Jesus stuff, right? But others are refreshed by this season. And I hope that you are as well. For many, this is one of the most delightful times of the year. I know for me it is. I enjoy this time of year. I enjoy the songs. I enjoy the parties. I enjoy the Christmas cookies and the Christmas shows, the, the Advent devos. I enjoy camping out in Luke chapter 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and John 1 and, and going back to the greatest story ever told, the God's great story of rescue. This is the time for us to do that, and it can be super meaningful, delightful, and worshipful for us if we'll focus on the true meaning of the season. Yet I'm not naive in missing the fact that for many others during this time, this is the hardest time of year, and it's dreaded. It's painful, especially 2020. 2020 in itself has been a painful year. Okay, we've seen hurricanes, wildfires, a a global uh, pandemic, a virus that has brought death to so many. We've seen political turmoil, social turmoil, riots, divorces. We've seen all kinds of broken, fractured relationships occur this year. We've seen people struggle financially. Go bankrupt. Businesses shut down. We've seen all kinds of terrible things happen this year. This has been a very dark and difficult year for so many people. And that is why the message of Advent is so precious to us. One of the reasons why. Because with the backdrop of this dark, broken, cold world in which we find ourselves living in, The message of Advent bursts forth with light, with the light of hope 
with the light of grace, with the light of truth, with meaning and purpose in the midst of all the meaninglessness and brokenness in this world. This, this message is precious to you and I. And so this morning, I want to bring us back to one of the familiar passages of Scripture in Luke chapter 1, one of my favorite passages of Scripture that tell us the story, the true story of Christmas. And I've titled this sermon, Mary, Did You Know? From the, the well-known song, Mary, Did You Know? And I'm going to actually begin by reading that song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind men? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy will walk walked where angels trod? When you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will rise again. The lame will leave, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. And then the song just crescendos there with declaring this baby boy, God in the flesh, the great I am. Deity took on humanity. What a glorious mystery we reflect upon and ponder during this Advent season. And, and what, how beautiful and poetically uh, declared uh, in this song is the, the mystery of what's, what's taking place during this time. Christmas is mysterious. It's wonderful. It's amazing. I came to the Lord this time of year over 20 years ago, 22 years ago. There's something special about this season. So here's some things that we see that Mary did know. In Luke chapter 1, God decided to reveal his great plan of rescue to Mary. Okay, And before she even conceived with baby, she knew some information here. Something happened here. God let her know, let her in on this great plan of rescue. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's, a, here's the big idea of where we're going this morning. God initiated His great plan of rescue, revealing it to Mary through an angel, and she responded willingly and worshipfully. You see, God had this great plan of rescue. From the beginning of time, from before the beginning of time, he had this plan to rescue his people in a very peculiar way. He had a plan to, to send his son as Savior into the world. And many Jewish people expected that this would happen. They were looking for this. They were longing for this. But, but for many, Jesus came in a way that they didn't expect. They were expecting a Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. But He came in a way that blew the minds of many of them and challenged the rational thinking of many of them. God's plan of rescue was announced to Mary. This poor young girl who lived in Nazareth. A young lady who lived in obscurity that many in the world knew nothing about. That no one saw, that no one knew, but God saw her and God knew her and God showed up into the history of her life. One of the, the most amazing events in history, she got to, to play a major role ushering in the Son of God into this world. This is how he announced God's plan, the angel announced that, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great and called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the, uh, give his throne to the Father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You see, this announcement was kind of like a movie trailer. The prophets of old would also often give these little clips. God would give them words and they would foretell of the Messiah who would come. And he would whet their appetite, the appetite of the, the people of Israel, that he would give them hope through these little movie clips, so to speak. These little prophecies like Isaiah 7:14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and be with child and, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. There's a little little glimpse uh, he, he would be born in Bethlehem, the one from of old, a ruler from of old would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2. And there's, there's these little movie clips, these little trailers that the prophets would give to the people of God and they would get them ready for the big story that's coming to theaters, that's going to be playing very soon at a theater near you. 
The story was going to be unfolded right before the eyes of Israel. And, and God was giving Mary a little bit more than just the movie trailer here. She, she got to be closely connected with what God was doing and bringing his great plan of rescue into the world. Jesus is the center, the center focus of God's rescue plan. Mary had an important role to play, but she wasn't the main character. She wasn't the hero of the story. And when we read the Bible and we read about David and, and Goliath and, and Moses and, and we read about Abraham and we read about all these people that God worked powerfully through throughout history, they, God worked through their lives, but they're not the hero of the story and they're not the main point of God's story. Now, many folks want to make Mary... The main point, or at least elevate her up to Jesus at a place that the Bible doesn't. Now, God honored her. God saw her. God showed up in her life. But Jesus is the central character of God's rescue plan. And that's revealed in verse 31, 32, 33, 35. Jesus's name, he would be called Jesus. And in Hebrew, the name Jesus is Yeshua, Yeshua. Okay, it's, it's from the, the name Joshua, and it means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Jesus would come as Yahweh saves, the central character in God's rescue plan. He would be called great. He would be the hero in God's story. He's the point. He's the point of all of this. He's the point of your life and my life. And so if you're trying to be the point, and you're trying to be the main character, then you're going to find, find something missing. There's going to be an emptiness. Because it's all about Jesus. And He's the only one that can bear the weight and, and bring the rescue that you and I need. He's the only one that can bear the weight of the sin of the world. And bear the weight of temptation and not give in to that temptation. He's the only one that could obey the Father perfectly. And He did. He obeyed God perfectly and He died willingly. He laid down His life for you and me. And so He's the point. He's the hero of God's great story. And He would be called Son of the Most High. Son of God. He would be called Holy. He would reign as King forever. Some of these descriptions of Jesus imply deity. Because he didn't just come as a man, he came as the God-man. Fully God and fully man. It's one of the mysteries that we ponder during this season. It's one of the mysteries that, that, that cause us to slow down and say, wait a minute, he's fully God and fully man? Yeah, that's what the Bible teaches. Because only, only God could bring the rescue that we needed. And Jesus had to become killable so that he could be the sacrifice for mankind. Jesus became killable by becoming a person. He humbled himself and he took on flesh. He entered into our suffering, entered into our broken world. He felt our pain. He felt emotions. He felt the struggles of life that you and I are so accompanied with. And he's the central character. Next, God's plan of rescue was peculiar. It was odd. It was, it was different. It was different than uh, many expected. Though it was foretold and there was, there was, there was, a, there was a, a little sneak peek, a preview from the Old Testament that there would be a virgin who conceives with the child. 
But this is, this is a very strange way to bring rescue into the world. If, if you or I were writing the story, we would probably start with some big mighty king, right? Who would come in and, and, and overpower uh, the enemies with, with, or some army, some king and some army and fight and, and overtake enemies, right? To win, win the story, like Marvel stories, right? You know, that, that's what, that's what we kind of gravitate towards. But God did things different than so many expected. He sent His Son into the world as a baby. So His plan was peculiar. And Mary had questions about this. And rightfully so. Okay? She had some challenges to face. The, the first one was her understanding. Okay? Like, how's this going to work? I'm a virgin. And I haven't been with my fiance or my, my, you know, future husband. I don't understand how this is going to work. Biologically, she struggled to understand how it would work. Okay? But theologically, she trusted the promise of what God had said through the angel. She struggled with accepting the unexpected. She, was, she had to wrestle with it. Her initial response wasn't, oh, great, praise the Lord, I'm going to have a baby. She had to think about this. She had to make sense of this. She had, she had some questions about this. She also she had a fiancé. That was one of the challenges. She was engaged to this young man named Joseph. What's he going to think? Is he going to dump me? You know, if, if, I, if I willingly, uh, you know, go through with this plan, is he going to dump me? What's he going to do? And God intervened in the book of Matthew. Matthew tells us about God's dealing with Joseph in the story. And God came and spoke to him through, through a dream. Her reputation. Many people were going to misunderstand what's happening. Her family, her friends, her small town in Nazareth. All of a sudden, she's going to have a mark of uh, of shame. She, she's going to have she's going to have a mark of rejection. You know, if people think that something happened, she's been unfaithful to her fiance. Now she's pregnant. I mean, who's ever seen a virgin get pregnant before? Who who hasn't been with a man? Right? It's a miracle. It's crazy. It's crazy. God's plan was peculiar. Okay. And so Mary had to wrestle with these things. And she was also poor. She was poor. Not only with, on top of everything else that was the challenge, this was a poor young lady. Okay? Now, what, 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 the, what the Bible tells us here, what the angel does tell us, is that God's plan would be accomplished by His power. God's plan would be accomplished by His power. Okay, so Mary had lots of questions. Mary had, how will this be? Okay, Um, and and the, the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. God's going to make this happen. God's going to do this thing. God took the initiative to, to make this plan of rescue happen. And it challenges the rational mind, Right. And so the, the, the miracle of her conception is something that we, we must all wrestle with. And we must all, during this Advent season, it's a great time 
to, to, to step back and, and ponder it. Many skeptics, many people who reject Christianity would point to this very thing that happened, that the Bible claims happened supernaturally as a reason to reject Christianity. But you see, the God of the Bible has always been a supernatural working God, a God of miracles, a God who does things outside of the natural laws that you and I are confined by. God, with God, the angel said, with God, nothing will be impossible. Uh, one theologian said this. He said that the virgin birth is posted on guard at the door of the mystery of Christmas. And none of us must think of hurrying past it. It stands on the threshold of the New Testament, blatantly supernatural, defying our rationalism, informing us that all that follows belongs to the same order as itself, and that if we find it offensive, there's no point in proceeding further. You see, this is an important doctrine teaching that the church has historically held on to as truth. This is not a myth. It's not just some made-up fairy tale. This was a real story that happened within human history. A virgin gave birth to a child. Okay, Wayne Grudem, another great theologian, said this. He said, God in his wisdom ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us from the fact that his ordinary birth from a human mother and his full deity would be evident from the fact of his conception in Mary's womb by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. You see, in God's plan of rescue, it was his power that would come and bring the rescue, not man's power. It was his will. It was his work of salvation that was accomplished through the advent of Jesus, through the coming of Jesus. And Jesus' life was saturated with the supernatural. It was saturated with miracles from the, his conception the conception of Jesus to the resurrection of Jesus. His life was filled with the supernatural. He healed sick people, opened blind eyes and deaf ears. He raised dead people. He turned water into wine. These are things that would challenge our rationale. These are things that logically we struggle to make sense of. And the only way really to make sense of it is to either dismiss it as a myth or accept it as a miracle. And we believe in a God of miracles. We believe that with God, nothing will be impossible. If we believe that God created everything out of nothing, then surely we can believe other miracles that the Bible tell us that he performed for the glory of his name and for the good of humanity. You see, historically, the church has believed this in the Apostles' Creed. What, one of the elements is, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Actually, would you all read that with me together? Let's declare this because we believe this. Let's, let's, let's declare our faith here. 
I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. David Mathis, in his book, The The Christmas We Didn't Expect, says Jesus' extraordinary and magnificent virgin birth is well worth contending for. And everything worth contending for is worth rejoicing in. No human has ever existed prior to conception. No other human was virgin born like this one. This is a unique glory of the God-man. Amen? Just like Mary, you and I have a responsibility to respond to this news. We have a responsibility to respond to this news. And I believe that Luke gives so much uh, ink to describing her, her part in the story to set her up as an example, not as an exalted uh, source of grace, Hail Mary, full of grace, but, but as an example to be honored and an example to, to follow in, in her footsteps and how she responded in an honorable way. She responded, first of all, Tim Keller in his book, uh, Hidden Christmas, points out that she responded thoughtfully. Okay? She was, she was wrestling with making sense of this. Now, now Elizabeth commends her for her faith later on in the chapter. She believed. But her faith wasn't blind faith. She didn't just check out logically to believe and take a blind leap of faith. She had to wrestle with these things biologically, like physically. How is this going to happen? Okay? She, she, but she was thinking about it. Okay? And her response was, was a little bit different than uh, Zechariah's approach. When Zechariah, earlier on in the chapter, he had a question about him and his wife having a baby in their old age. But, but his approach in bringing that question and bringing his doubt was a little bit different because the results were different. The angel said, okay, man, you're not going to be able to speak until baby John, the Baptist, is born, right? But Mary's was different. She believed, but, but she was wrestling thoughtfully through what the angel had said. And perhaps she did have some doubts to wrestle through, but she, she, she wrestled through them. And she, she gradually... She responded gradually, Tim Keller says. Uh, and he describes this gradual process as measured incredibility, simple acceptance, and faith from the heart. Okay? She, she responded gradually, and she responded in wonder. She responded in wonder. She, she was in wonder and awe, like, how, how's this going to happen? Okay? But she landed at willing surrender. She said, let it be. According to your word. Right? So she wrestled through this. Keller says this in, in, uh, on page 83 of his book, Hidden Christmas. Some doubt seeks answers and some doubt is a defense against the possibility of answers. There are some people like Mary who are open to the truth and are willing to relinquish sovereignty over their lives if they can be shown that the truth is other than what they thought. And there are those like Zechariah whose doubts as a way of staying in control of their lives 
and keeping their minds closed, which kind of doubt do you have? So there's a contrast here. Mary responded honorably. Okay? Mary responded honorably. Uh, What we see in this passage was that God was with her. God said uh, through the angel, the greetings, O favored one, God is with you. God's presence showed up. God made a promise to her. And God was going to accomplish his plan through his power to bring rescue to the world, to you and to me. We also see that Mary... Uh, found favor with God, she found grace. Okay? Mary was a recipient of grace, not the source of grace. She was a recipient of the grace of God. She received Jesus into her life in a sense. And this is important because you and I must receive Jesus into our lives Right? Well, the Bible clearly says that, that if we're going to be saved and experience God's rescue for our lives, we must receive Jesus as our Savior. We must receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. The present that God wants every one of us to experience this Christmas season is the present of His presence. Is the presence of His Son, Emmanuel. This is a time of gift giving. Don't miss out on the ultimate gift. Every gift that's given and received this season, let it remind you of the ultimate gift, the greatest gift of God's Son. God gave Himself, His very presence to be with us. And we celebrate that. And Mary was a recipient of that grace. And you and I can experience grace from God as well. And experience His presence. And experience His favor. And in Jesus, those of us who've trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have that place with God. Not because of anything we've done. God has chosen to set His grace upon our lives. And we just simply receive it. And, and, and we would do well to do what Mary did as well and believe his promises and, and respond with a willingness and a surrender to his will for our lives. Mary responded well with this. She wrestled with the particulars of God's plan, but she believed the promise. She wrestled with it to understand it biologically, but she believed it theologically that with God nothing will be impossible. Our God is a God of miracles. Amen. Theologian Daryl Box says this, that there's, there's four things, important lessons for us to learn from this passage. The certainty that God will perform His promise since nothing will be impossible with Him. Mary's example as one chosen to serve God, an example that extends beyond the willingness to be used to trust God to take us beyond our limitations. Whew, it's good. The significance of the virgin birth of our Savior and the importance of sexual faithfulness throughout our lives. Because there wasn't anything fishy going on here. There wasn't anything wrong or or impure or unrighteous in this story. This is a story of purity. 
Now, to the unbeliever, to the skeptic who doubts, to the defiled, this may, may not be in their minds a story of purity, but it, it truly is. And, and Jesus modeled that ultimately for us. So here's a couple points of application that I'd like to leave us with. Ponder the wondrous mystery of God's rescue plan in the first advent or coming of Jesus. Ponder the virgin birth. Ponder the fact that angels showed up on the scene. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy, right? That's particular, peculiar. When an angel shows up, you know, and, and has a message for you. I mean, most people in the Bible, when they saw an angel, they, you know, they, they got, they fell to the ground. They were afraid. I mean, it was intimidating uh, many times when, when folks encountered an angel in the Bible. Uh, but ponder that. Ponder the angels. Ponder the promises that God had made throughout history that, that, that he came to fulfill with Jesus. Jesus is the center of the fulfillment of all God's promises. Jesus is the center of God's great rescue plan for you and me and for the world. And during Advent season, we refocus on that. We, we ponder that. This is a time to slow down and ponder, ponder God's great rescue plan for us. This is the time, instead of giving in to the hustle and the bustle, really letting Jesus, the Prince of Peace, bring calm to our fretful anxiety and rush and, and just, trying to, just trying to do, 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 do. I think if we're going to make this Christmas season, this Advent season, meaningful and worshipful, we need to start by slowing down and pondering Accepting the invitation to slow down and ponder the glorious mystery of the Son of God coming into the world, born of a virgin, born in a lowly manger, born in humble circumstances. Let us pause and ponder and let us be captured with a sense of awe and wonder like children. As they think about Christmas and, and, and all the elements of Christmas that are involved, children are in wonder of Christmas. When we see the lights and we, 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 we hear the stories and we, we watch the movies and, and there's just something special about this season and it all should center on Jesus, not Santa Claus, not Rudolph, not Frosty. It should center on Jesus because that's where the power is. That's where the miracle is. That's where the truth and the meaning of this story is. It's not a myth. It's not Disney. It's reality. And we believe it. And next, receive Jesus into your life as your re rescuer. Welcome Him. Mary, welcome Jesus. Welcome the angel's message. Welcome God's plan. She had questions. She wrestled through it. But she had faith. She trusted God. God was with her. God gave her grace. God showed up. And there was a cost involved as well. Okay? Her reputation, I'm sure. The, the tension with her and Joseph. All the babies in her region were going to be killed. All the firstborn. And so they had to split to Egypt. I mean, there was a lot of chaos around what was happening at the birth of Jesus. There was a cost that Mary had to accept as well. 
with this that she had to experience as well. She had to see her son in the prime of life. The one that she gave birth to, the one that she saw live perfectly and obediently and righteous. Her son that she so loved. She had to see him hang upon a cross and die the most shameful, painful death in the prime of his life. And so there's a cost with receiving and following Jesus. Jesus has paid for the salvation for you and I. We don't pay for it. But when we receive the gift of salvation as a free gift and we follow him, there will be a cost. Okay, salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. Following Jesus is costly. And lastly, praise God for who he is, for what he has done to bring rescue for you. Mary worshiped. She has this beautiful song, this beautiful prayer later on in the chapter where she just extols God. She praises God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices within me from the inside out. She bursts forth in song and she celebrates and enjoys God's good rescue plan. She enjoys God. Who God is and what God has done. She celebrates that. And that's how we can make this Christmas season meaningful. Is by pausing and wonder and awe as we reflect. By welcoming Jesus into our lives as the greatest gift. And by worshiping Him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me just close with this quote by Albert Einstein. He said, The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. He whom this emotion is a stranger, who can no longer pause to, to wonder and stand wrapped in awe, is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. And so let us be captivated with awe and wonder of who God is and what he's done in the Advent. So, Lord, I pray for us. I pray for City Church Garland that we would guard our hearts and our minds during this season. And with all the temptations and all the lures, all the, the good things that tempt us to be distracted from the best element of this season. You, treasuring you, receiving and enjoying and celebrating you, Lord. Lead us not into temptation, the temptation of giving into materialism, giving into uh, just distractions, meaningless activities. Mythical stories. May we give our time to this one true great story. And may we proclaim it with joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.